So we're talking about the golden rule. The golden rule is something that we've heard for eons of time. We've seen it on plaques, right? At our mom's house, our grandmother's house. Uh, we see it in multiple places. We see these, these ideas of do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, the reason this is important is because we are going into a year, or rather coming out of a year, where we have been uh, just the last three years isolated and we have gotten unused to uh, treating people or being around people. Have you noticed how bad the customer service is right now, right? It's like people have forgot to speak to each other in kind, loving ways. They have, there's this, uh, in restaurants, whether it be a waiter or a waitress, uh, the people that are ordering the food, they're really rude and, and they have forgotten how to show kindness and love and be just a good citizen. <laughs> um, and so we're going to talk a little bit tonight. Uh, I just felt like, you know what, I, I want to touch on this because I'm encountering, and as we move forward through the holidays, it's going to even be more so. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In church, in life, in every place that we are at, we need to live by this rule. Now, I want to take a little deep dive into that rule just for a few minutes. So, so, so let's talk about as good as gold. As good as gold, we're going to do that. So it's from Matthew chapter 7 first. We're going to look, says, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would, what? That men should do to you, you even, uh, yea, even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So he's... Pretty plain here, Jesus is speaking, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even to them also. So, there is this concept from Christ, a law of God, that says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? So, when we learn that great, what, there was two great commandments, right? And the one is unto the same. Love your neighbor as you love me, the Lord your God, and love your neighbor. This is an important concept in the scripture, in the walk of, of what God wants us to walk in, in his word. So the importance of this concept comes from the fact that, that without love, we cannot win the world. Without love, we cannot show people what Jesus has done for us. Have you ever encountered a Christian that just, you're really not sure you would want their Christianity, right? You've encountered them, they're ugly, mean, uh, and I'm not talking about physically ugly, I'm talking about in their spirit. They're ugly, they're mean, they're curt, they don't, and, and you wonder, you know, did, did Jesus really save you? Are you okay? You know, sometimes you go, man, what's going on? And of course, we don't know what their day was like or what they're going through, so we have to have mercy on them, but... I want to show the world a Christ that they want. Someone say amen. I want to show them that I want to be like the Jesus that died for me on Calvary. So do unto others as you would have them do unto Jesus said, if you don't want them to do it to you, don't do it to them. And vice versa. So let's look in Matthew. We're going to spend a few minutes in Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to start with verse 21. Everybody say, speak kindly. Speak kindly kindly speak kindly it's important that we speak kindly our words have life in them how do you know that the power of your tongue is like a sword that you can cut and kill or you can make alive right in your own mind your own heart what you speak to yourself you can like hear me today you can speak life or you can speak death you can speak faith or you can speak doubt you can speak 
those things that should be in your life, that faithful word of God coming true. Speaking kindly is an important, important factor, right? In your walk with God. Why is Pastor Nate talking about this? Because I'm trying to prepare you for the witness that God is going to allow you to be in the community that you live. If we cannot speak kind, that's why I tell people when they're out posting on Facebook, you need to be careful what you say, what you know, pot you stir. Why? Because people are looking at you not as just Nate Nix or Carl Van. They're looking at you as they represent Jesus Christ. They're supposed to be a representative of God. They're trying to, in one post, oh, I love the Lord and He's been so good to me. In another post, I quote the Psalm 23, right? And then another post, I post something that's vile and angry. Oh, do you see where I'm headed here? You've got to be consistent with being kind. Everybody say, be kind. And you say, Pastor, there's some people I just don't feel like being kind to. I know. I, I imagine that there's very few days that God doesn't look at me and say, Man, you are stretching my kindness. You are stretching my love. I put up with you a lot. You better, if I can forgive you, you can forgive others, put up with others, and have kindness. I'm going to say kindness. Well, towards others. Listen, verse 21, chapter 5. I hope you have your Bibles at home. We're going to go. Here we go. It says in verse 21, you have heard, right, that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit murder. And whosoever murders shall be liable to the court. This is what Jesus said. Uh, he's talking about murder, but I want you to understand that the word kindness encompasses this, this bitterness, anger that causes murder, right? You can't be kind to somebody and murder them at the same time. You hear me? You can't be kind to somebody and, 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 and hate them at the same time. This is what he says. goes on in verse 22. But I say, everybody say Jesus said... Come on, type it in on there. Jesus said, come on. Jesus said that what everyone who is angry at his brother shall be guilty before the court. So Jesus says, hey, this is not just about you, the people that are murdering people. This is about us and our hatred, our bigotry, our, hello somebody, our issue in our heart that causes us to speak ill or unkind to others based on multiple things. So we can look and see very quickly that everyone who is angry, everybody shout everyone, everyone, right? There's no exceptions. Well, I deserve to be angry. I had a bad day. No, that's not what the Bible says. It says if you're angry with your brother, you will be guilty before the court. Here it is. And whosoever shall say his brother, you good for nothing. <laughs> Now, when it says his brother here, it's talking about just like uh, love your neighbor as yourself. This is not talking about just church people. This is talking about your fellow citizen in the planet, on the world, in the world. So we're not talking about inside the church. Jesus in Matthew here is talking to his disciples, to Jerusalem, and to all the people that would ever read this. He's talking to the world. You've got to show kindness. So he says. Whosoever shall say to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be what? Guilty before the Supreme Court. And whosoever shall say, you fool, oh, this is, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Now, folks, I want you to think about what was just said. Jesus doesn't talk about putting people in hell very lightly, right? It's interesting because he 
He tells the man who hid his talent that he was evil and would cast him into outer darkness. We know that that's a reference to hell. I want you to think about the person that speaks ill, you good for nothing. The person that is a bigot, a person that is racist, the person that is angry, a person, all those things, right? They fall into this, you've got to be careful because you are guilty. And if you say you fool, right? You fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Pastor, this, this, well, why? Because I want you to recognize the first step to winning new people to Christ is us being kind. The first step in winning your neighbor is showing kindness when they don't deserve it. The first step at infecting a room full of sinners with love is being kind. Returning words of kindness when they don't deserve it. Everybody shout, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it, but hello somebody. I didn't deserve the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, but I get it, amen? And we're to be his disciples and to show that mercy and grace. So here we look and see in verse 23 when it says, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar. How many believe that God has called you to give an offering at the altar? Amen? Amen? Amen. God has called us, right, to do that. He says this, uh, uh, You better remember that your brother has something against you. If you have ought, King James says, if you have ought, against your brother. If you have anger towards your brother, he says what? Leave your offering there before the altar and go what? First and be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Then come and present your offering. It's here that we have to recognize that our sacrifice is not important as important as our love for others. You may, well, I give in the altar. I, I do this. I serve here. I do that. And you treat your neighbor horrible. Jesus said, you, you got it backwards. You need to treat your, leave your offering. Leave it. Don't, don't act like it's something you're, because God won't receive it until you make reconciliation with your brother. So, a lot of offerings are left on altars that God never receives. You know, I've often wondered why the scripture says, and Jesus wrote, that there's going to be a time and a day that he says to some that I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Right? He says, I never knew you. How is it, how could that be that he, he's God. He knows all things. He's omnipresent, omniscient. He's He is all-knowing. How can it be that God says, I never knew you. And that is because sin separates us from God. And in that separation, His covenant with us is that I cannot, I choose. Just like He forgets our sins. How many know He forgets our sins? He removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. Right? But God knows everything. How does He do that? Because His covenant says, I decide in my covenant to you, I will forget, although I'm capable of remembering. And the same is true here, that we are in a place where, in this society, we are living in such a contentious world, a world that wants to fight over anything and everything, some legitimate, some not, right? It's in this place that God is calling us to learn and reestablish in our homes and in our lives 
do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Someone shout amen. So leave your offering. Go come back after you have reconciled with your brother. Then you can present your offering. What I was going to say is that Cain and Abel is a great story to reference here because what Cain offered a, an offering and God said, I refuse it, right? Abel offered the offering that God asked for and God received it and Cain killed Abel, right? So we know the heart of Abel or heart of Cain was wrong the whole time, right? So there is a, a precedent here that we can see. So what do we find? Make friends quickly with your opponents at law while you are with him on the way. Make friends. I'm going to shout make friends. So that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you to be thrown into prison. Truly I say to you, you will not come out of there until you can pay the last cent. Your kindness, your attitude towards others will dictate where you spend your time and how you spend it. So I hope you receive tonight that we are in a season where I truly believe that we have to what? Show kindness when we what? Do not feel like it. Hello? When they don't deserve it. When they are unreasonable and angry and kink, uh, all those things, right? God is saying, love your neighbor as yourself. If you cannot love your brother whom you have seen, how can you love your heavenly father whom you have not seen? Right? The call of Christianity is to love. Everybody shout love. love. And it's love at all costs. Did you hear what I just said? It's love at all costs. And it's important that you recognize that. So, we find how to treat others. First, we speak, everybody say, speak kindly. Now, the other is we must respect others. Number two is respect others. Let's keep reading in verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. How many of you know that adultery is about respect? When you disrespect the greatest covenant you could ever make besides the one with Jesus Christ, in baptism is the one you make with a mate, right? So he says, don't commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery. In other words, a man looks at a woman and says, I wish I could go to bed with her, right? We in this society have so many imageries of sexual things. You drive down the freeway and you see a sign uh, that's inappropriate in my opinion, right? You you pick up a magazine in the doctor's office and you flip through it. You watch TV. I'm sick and tired of, 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 of seeing these commercials for women's razors and me seeing everything that I don't need to see, all right? Uh, why? Why do you need to show me uh, the private area of a woman to sell a razor? I'll tell you why, because they they know that sex sells. And they know that they can trap your brain. And that's where you have to be willing to say, Lord, protect my mind, keep my eyes, allow my heart. So it's not talking about, oh my, that's a pretty girl. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about, I wish and could take that person to, to have a sexual relationship. So uh, don't misunderstand this, right? He's saying, 
Because if, if, if every time I saw a pretty lady and said to my boy, she's really pretty, right? And, and if you considered that lust, well, then none of us would be able to live, right? Uh, God's not talking about that. He's talking about sexual intent, lust, right? So remember that. So, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already, just like Cain had already killed Abel, we had already. Why? Because we're not respecting our wife, our, our friend, our neighbor. We're not respecting ourselves. Right? We're throwing our pearl before what? Swine. Proverbs, Solomon said, don't stand at the corner where the prostitute lives down the street. Why? Well, she's way down the street. Doesn't matter. Don't even be seen at the corner of her street because you might be tempted. So, He's already committed adultery in his heart. I'm going to say my heart. And then he says, if your right eye make you stumble, tear it out. Wow, that's pretty radical, right? <laughs> if your right eye offends you, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better that you lose one of your parts to your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. I better say hell. You know what? I In this hour... Uh, we are so afraid of confrontation. Hell, hell is real. Did you know that? Heaven is real. Hell is real. And of course, there's a lot of people that think I'm crazy, and that's fine. I, I, I'm going to be crazy, and, and, and I'll be just fine on Judgment Day. Right? Why? Because I, I understand that the Word of God is true and absolute. And we can argue about what hell is. And I'm not interested in that argument, right? I'm interested in the fact that it's going to be away from God. It's not going to be where God is. And that will be hell. Someone say amen. So we look at this and we can see that it's better than our right eye be taken out than our whole body, right? If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. It's better for you to lose one of your parts of your body than for the whole body to go into hell. So he's talking about re be respectful. Be, everybody say be respectful. Be respectful to others. Be respectful to yourself. I spoke recently to an individual who was, well, well, it's been several months now, but they were trying to bait me into a conversation that I knew where it was headed when they talked about it. And I refused. I would not even, I, I'm sorry, I, I'm just not, not willing or don't want to talk about that. That's not something I really want to discuss. It was about the Bible. But I knew what they were trying. They were trying to bait me like they baited Jesus with the coin. Will you pay, pay uh, Caesar taxes? Well, show me the coin. You know, whose face is on that coin? Render Caesar to Caesar, God to God. There are people in your life that will try to bait you into being disrespectful. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Because when I lower myself to fight with them... I am no longer respecting myself. There are some things in your life that are not worth fighting about because you're not fighting with... It's, it's not about righteousness. It's about winning an argument, right? Respect yourself. Respect others. You cannot win somebody you're not respecting, right? Someone say amen. Amen. Listen, what does that mean? I'm going to tell you something. I'm in the drive-thru at Starbucks and I see a name badge that doesn't match what I think or what I see. I don't try to, to poke that person because they are in a place 
No, I don't do that. Why? I call them by their name. It may not be what I agree with in my brain, but I'm not going to show, I'm never going to be able to win that person by disrespecting them. Right? Does that mean you, you pastor, you agree? No! It's not about agreement. It's about respect. It's about respect. Right? I'm not respecting the sin. I'm respecting the individual so that they can understand that I'm willing to respect you in order to love you, in order to win you for Christ. All things to all men that I might be, what? Win some. So, it's, I'm not getting down in that pit. Lord, no. I'm simply respecting their space, who they are, and that's not one thing. In fact, it's what you should be doing. Someone say amen. So, number two, number one, speak kindly. Everybody say speak kindly. Say respect others. And number three, be faithful. Amen. Second Timothy 2 and 11. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. This is Paul writing. This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, amen, we will also live with him. Talking about Jesus. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we what? Deny him, he will what? Deny us. If we are what? Here it is. Unfaithful. He remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. Listen. If you den if you <laughs> if you deny him, he'll deny you. But the unfaithfulness that comes into our life, he's willing to work with us. He's willing to stretch because he cannot quit being who he is. He is a faithful God. He will listen to us in our darkest pit. When we make our bed in hell, he'll hear our cry and our repentance. So do not think for a moment that you serve an unfaithful God. You're going through trials and tribulations. You're having health issues. You're having issues in your home and your finances and life and the world and all that's going on. You know, oh man, where's God? Why isn't he here? He's here. Hello, somebody. He has not left you nor forsook you. He is going to go with you even till the end. The issue is, are you in a place to see him? Has your eyes been covered by all the weariness and all the stuff? Has your mind been plagued by all the worldly stuff that you're encountering? I don't know, but I do know this. He is faithful. Someone shout faithful. He's faithful and just. He is a loving God. So we recognize that. So we've got to what? Speak kindly, respect others, be faithful. And then we've got to and must be honest. Everybody say honest. Now, honesty is, a, is an interesting thing. This is uh, different types of honesty when you read uh, the definitions of honesty. Honesty is that I'm not going to lie to you, right? I'm going to be honest. Honesty is also that I'm going to deal with you honestly. I'm going to, I'm going to, when I sell you a pound of, of coffee, it's actually going to be a pound of coffee. And I'm going to receive the proper amount back. I'm not going to cheat you and put my finger on the scale. That's being dishonest, right? I'm not going to cheat in, in areas of my life. I'm not going to cheat uh, whether it be at work and fudge my hours or the IRS and make up things. I'm not going to cheat. Why? Because that's dishonest, right? So we're going to be honest. The other thing is when you're honest, you are, you are telling somebody truth when they may not want to hear it. You hearing me? So I'm going to be honest with you. Have you ever heard somebody say that to you? Well, let me be frankly honest with you, right? They're fixing to tell you a truth that they're worried might offend you. And there is a place in, in the body of Christ that we've got to be honest with each other and accountability. Let's read the passage. 
Matthew 5 and 33, again, Jesus talking, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows. You shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows unto the Lord. Don't make false vows. So, uh, we have uh, multiple things that we can, we can place in this particular basket, right? And we're talking about being honest. Let's talk about how that honesty helps others. So when you tell somebody, you say, Pastor, is this about? Yes, it is. When you tell somebody, I'm, I'm going to, if you do everything within you, right? And you still can't get it done, that's one thing. But if you tell somebody you're going to do something and you just simply know that when you say it, you never have a plan to do it, that is dishonest. I'm going to come mow your lawn. And in your brain you say, I'm never going to mow their lawn. I'm just going to tell them that so they'll shut up and leave me alone. Amen. Uh, there's uh, so many times as a pastor, I have had to, you know, people say, well, can, can you do this or can you do that or et cetera, et cetera. And, and there's been times in my life where I felt so much pressure to be everything to all people that I would say yes, knowing that I probably would never get to it. It wasn't in my intent to not get to it, but my schedule, my life did not allow me because I overbooked. I over put too much on my plate, right? That's not being dishonest. That's being stretched, right? But dishonesty is saying, I know, yeah, I'm going to be there. I'll help you on Saturday cut your lawn. And knowing from the very beginning, I'm going to call them Saturday morning and say, yeah, <coughs> I'm really sick today, right? Um, and in those moments of dishonesty, it can, it can, it can be a lot of different things. We can talk about vow, the vow or that being a vow. When you tell somebody, that's what that's talking about. It's not talking about a marriage vow so much as it's talking about speaking truth to each other or speaking a promise to each other and fulfilling that. Don't be dishonest. You follow me? So, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill the vows of the Lord. But I say unto you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool of his feet by Jerusalem. Now, does anybody want to talk to me or tell me the difference between a vow and an oath? An oath. An oath. An oath is a pledge. An oath is something that involves your soul. Um, there, there, uh, and there are different society or, or things in our society, I should say, groups, right, um, that they, they, they take oaths. They go through uh, things. They wear certain things. They cut themselves. They, they profess um, uh, things to each other. They, you know, that's an oath, right? We have recently heard about the Oath Brothers, right? The Oath, the the, the Oath Group, right? Um, and we've heard about uh, that group as far as they have this oath. Well, scripturally, you should not be making oaths with anybody but Christ. The oath is in the baptismal tank by not the circumcision made with hands, but the one made in the baptismal tank through water baptism. Oaths are something that you swear to each other through a covenant of blood or money that are ungodly. So now you're more, I'm more connected to him than I am to God. Me and Brother Carl, we make an oath, you know. You remember as a kid, you'd cut your finger and push your blood together with your best friend. We're blood brothers, right? Uh, I, I, that was something that I remember as a child that people would say, ah, yeah, we're blood brothers now. We, 
we mixed our blood, you know, and I'm thinking about, oh my God, nowadays you, you do that and you die next week. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where we don't understand. A vow and an oath is very different. An oath is something that's taken that is, is deeply spiritual and it involves physical things that are committed to each other. You see uh, oaths, uh, they're like Masonic Temple and different, uh, the Masons and different ones, they, they take oaths, right, to each other. So recognize that oath is more spiritual, right? It's more, and, and he is very clear, do not take an oath. Do not put God on the, or anybody else on the same level as your commitment to Jesus Christ. Someone say amen. So, interesting stuff. So, uh, by heaven or earth, by the way. Uh, for there is, oh, I love this, or by Jerusalem. For there is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for it cannot make one white hair black. But let your statement be yes, yes, and no, no. Anything beyond these is evil. Do what you say and say what you do. Be what God has called you to be. Do not be dishonest. You cannot, listen, dishonesty ruins families. Why? How many of you know, don't raise your hand, how many of you know of a person or a child that their father or mother told them all the time that they were going to do something for them, but they never did it? They're always promising something that they never do. It destroys the child's faith, not just in that father, but in everybody. You never do what you say. My dad told me this, and he never did it. He went, told me he was going to take me fishing. He never did it. He told me he was taking me to the festival. Never happened. Why? Because they didn't let their yays be yays and their nays be nays. Do what you're going to say. Say what you're going to do. Be honest. Don't be an undercover liar. Dishonesty is a nice word for liar. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. Well, if you're online, say amen. Amen. So, let your yeas be yeas, you know. And of course there's things. Life happens, right? Right? Get called into work. But if that happens every single time, something's wrong. There has to be priorities in your life. And there is a place where we are told, be honest. Don't be dishonest. So, what have we found out? How to treat others. How to treat others. we got to speak kindly. We gotta respect others. We gotta be faithful to what who we are called to be and what we're called to do. We've gotta be honest with our mouth and our actions. And finally, we've gotta be what? Forgiving. Everybody say forgiving. This goes hand in hand with what we talked about speaking kindly. Right? There's so many times that our mouths uh, they tell the true story of our hearts. How many of you have ever spoke to your spouse or a friend or a family member? in ways that you were later embarrassed for and wished that you had those words back, right? And uh, six months later, five years later, somebody sitting at the Thanksgiving table reminds you of what you said to them, right? Why? Because words are not easily forgotten. Once you have pierced that heart, it's hard to build back. you got to be proactive about it. So be forgiving. Everybody say, be forgiving. What do we find? In verse 38 of Matthew chapter 5, it says this, For ye have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye. How many has heard this phrase? An eye for an eye. Well, that sounds fair. If I, you poke me in the eye, I'm going to poke you in the eye. And a tooth for a truth. Verse 39, But I say unto you, 
How many are glad that Jesus had an opinion, huh? But I say unto you, everybody shout, he said, uh, do not resist an evil person. What, what? Let me just read that again. Do not resist an Did he just say don't resist an evil person? But whatsoever slaps you on your right, whosoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other also to him. Pastor, you're not serious. You get smacked and you're telling me I have to turn the other cheek? I'm not telling you nothing, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus is speaking in the house tonight. Well, that's impractical. No, it's not. The question is, how much do you want to win that soul? How much do you want to affect them? Do you want to be right? Do you want to feel justified? Do you want to be able to say to yourself, listen, I'm not telling you I've got this down. I'm just telling you what the Word says. I'm not telling you I've got this all set and ready to go. I'm simply saying, Jesus said, Jesus said, Jesus said. The world says an eye for an eye. You punch me, I'm going to punch you. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. This sounds so good in the scriptures, doesn't it? It just sounds such like a great lesson. Oh, you got to turn the other. Living this out is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Living this out. Now, this is not just about physical altercation. This is about people when they speak ill, when they talk nasty, when they remove yourself from the place before you become like them and speak the same vile things. Someone say amen. So, what happens? If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whosoever forces you to go one mile, go with him what? Two. Give to him that ask of you. Brother Carl, I need $10,000. Give to him that ask of you. And do not turn away from whom who wants to borrow from you. <laughs> I can spend a whole Bible study right here, right? This is not talking about, I come up to you and say, hey, I need $10,000, and you have to give it to me. It's not talking about that. This is, this is the same phraseology, this is the same thought process as the guy that's in the ditch and the Good Samaritan picks him up. Right? This is not talking about... Anyway, we can talk about that later. Verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor. Hear me tonight. I'm getting close to being done, sort of, kind of. Hear me. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your what? Neighbor. And what? Hate your enemy. Well, that sounds reasonable, right? That sounds about right to me. I mean, that feels good. I'm not lying. How many think amen? Yeah, I mean, it's no problem. I'm gonna, yeah, I've heard that said. Man, feels comfortable. I'm gonna put that coat on and wear it for a while because that jerk, and they love me, right? That jerk, right? We get this indignation on us that is so human, and we're supposed to be like Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? We're supposed to seek ye first the what? Kingdom of God. And His what? Righteousness. But I say unto you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. How many believe that Jesus Christ will have the last word? How many believe that in the end, the scripture bears out and tells us that in the end, all that has been done to us, the misdeeds, that Christ will judge them in the last hour. But you have to trust Jesus to get that. I don't know about you, but I'd, I'd rather let him take care of it than me take care of it. And that's a hard thing to do. 
so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. It rains on the just and the unjust. Verse 46, for you have, for if you love those who love you, right, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you agree only your brother, there are more, oh, this is so right and rich and true. If you only agree with your brother, if you only agree that people that look like you, act like you, talk like you, speak like you, smell like you, eat the same food as you, well, he's saying, well, that, what's the big deal? That's not love. That's commonality. That's, you're together because you like the same things. This is not about love. You have no, I said Sunday, that, listen to me, that unity requires diversity. Here's the principle in live action right here. He's saying, if you greet only your brother, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So we must forgive one another. How do I treat others? Come on, read it with me. I speak kindly. Come on, read it. I respect others. I be faithful, right? I be honest. And I be, what? Forgiving. Finally, the last one is, don't be cynical. Don't be cynical. Everybody say cynical. Don't be a critic. Don't be the Pharisee amongst the crowd. Don't be the person that beats their back, professes your fasting and your prayers, and then hates your brother. Don't be that. What does Jesus say? Matthew chapter 7, where we read from the beginning, verse 1. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. You know, we skip a lot of words of Jesus. We like to study a lot of stuff, but we tend to, as a society and Christendom as a whole, we like to cherry pick the words of Jesus. In the last few passages that I've read, especially from, if you read the beginning of chapter 5, but you start the first part of the chapter, chapter 5, you know, we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount, we're talking about Jesus talking, we're talking about a lot of stuff going on in, this, in these few chapters in here in Matthew. But then we read here in chapter 7 that do not judge so that you will not be judged. My favorite thing is when people say, I'm not judging them, I'm simply telling you what they are. Right? That's my favorite. My, my favorite is, I'm not judging them, I'm telling you what I see. And, and you can have an opinion, right? We all have opinions. We all have belly buttons too, right? They're all different. Uh, God gave us belly buttons. And we can uh, talk about our belly buttons, about how, yeah, I got a different belly button than you got, right? But that doesn't mean that we're wrong, right? Opinions are opinions. The Word of God is truth. It's not an opinion. So Jesus was speaking from a place of truth. He was speaking from a place of righteousness, of He's the King. And he says, don't judge, or you're going to be judged. Why did he say that? Because you cannot, listen, what? You cannot treat others in love and judge them. 
The example that Jesus gave us is this. I didn't put it in here, but I'm going to bring it out. Jesus, what? The woman that got caught in adultery, right? Perfect example of what we're talking about tonight. How many of you believe, by the raise of your hands, that Jesus was in agreement that she was committing adultery, right? That he just, he loved the fact that she was all adulterous and he was just like, well, it's okay, don't worry about it, you've had a tough life and you were just lonely and it's okay, it's all set, you're all good, it's no big deal. Uh, how many believe that Jesus took that approach? Everybody shout, no! Okay. So we agree that Jesus is against adultery. Matter of fact, we just read in chapter 5, he says, don't commit adultery, <laughs> right? <laughs> so what, what happened, right? Jesus was so kind to this woman. I want you to think about this. They bring him. She is, they caught her, the Bible says, in the act. I mean, that's not pretty, right? In the act. I don't know where the guy was that was in the act, but they seemed to like to pick on the women, right? So this group of men, they got her, they threw her at the feet of Jesus. We caught, what do we do with her? She was caught, and they're picking up stones, and they got the man, we're right. man, we feel so justified. We are righteous. We are in the church. We're church leaders, and we're fixing to cast out sin. We're going to tear that up, man. We're going to tell the devil. We're going to kill this woman. Can't let sin arrive. We can't, my God, we got to get rid of it. What did Jesus do? He began to write. Because you see, when we scream about other sins, we forget our own. Hear me. When we scream about other sins, we forget how far we were fallen before Christ found us. And in my life, I've witnessed this over and over again where people are struggling with sin. And by the way, sin is sin. Jesus doesn't categorize sins. Class A, Class B, Class C, Class D. And if you're Class E, then it's a misdemeanor and you just get a pat on the hand and you move on, right? That's not how heaven works. Someone shout amen. It works in justice and in truth and in righteousness. He is the righteous judge and he will judge us all, right? Not me. It's above my pay grade. So what happened? He begins to write in the sand, right? Let him that hath... We don't have any idea what he wrote, but we do know it was a very effective whatever he did write. Because the guys begin to go, oh, uh, and the Bible says they backed away and they begin to put their rocks down. And they're like, oh, whoa, hey, huh. And she's a nice lady. She's a good lady. We, we, yeah, she's okay, right? And Jesus said these words, let him that hath no sin, no, zero, nada, cast the first stone. Now the irony is, Jesus could have picked up the stone and killed her. Did you hear what I just said? Jesus could have picked up the stone and killed her. He was without sin. But he didn't. What did he do? What did he do? Where are your accusers? Where'd they all go? And he says to her, Neither do I what? Condemn. The word condemn is a very important word. Condemn thee. I don't judge. The word condemn means to judge. I'm not going to judge you. Neither do I. God in flesh said to the woman caught in adultery, I'm not going to condemn you. A judge is who condemns people to their sentence. You're condemned to life in prison. You're condemned to death. There is therefore now 
no condemnation to them that are where in Christ Jesus. But there's a caveat. You gotta walk in the Spirit. You gotta walk by the Word of God. You gotta obey the Word of God. So it's not like this free love and all this stuff. Woo! I can do anything I want. Jesus still loves me. He loves you, but He will judge you in the last day. So what happens? Is that the woman gets up, right? And he says, I, you know, he says this. Oh, by the way, I'm not going to condemn you and kill you. I could. But go and sin no more. I will love you. I can accept you. But I do not agree with you. I do not stand in agreement with what you're doing. So many times Christians, people that are truly trying to reach the lost, they get caught up with people that are self-righteous because people that are self-righteous, don't, they don't want you in the alleyway with the sinner or they're going to accuse you of being with them. Guilty by association. And if we're not careful, we will fear what others say about us when we're trying to reach people for the name of Jesus Christ. Be bold. Be what God's called you to be. And win the world. Someone say amen. So, what does he say? Uh, I'm not going to condemn you. I'm going to love you despite what your sin is. Go and sin no more. I'm not telling you that what you did is okay. No, no. I'm telling you that I love you. And that you can change. I could have killed you. I have the legal law right. He that hath no sin, I can cast the first stone. No, I'm not going to. I'm going to give it. So what happened? Why do you look at... Uh, and then he says, For the way you judge, you will be judged, and your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Woo, that's strong words, right? I'm almost done. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? The log that's in your own eye. The speck in your eye, the log in their eye, the log in your eye. Uh, we've talked about that many times. Or how can you say that your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite. First, I'm going to shout first. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. That's the same as saying, if you have an offering, leave it at the altar until you make your... your with right with your brother. Right? Don't bring an offering. Verse 7. This is what he says. I'm almost done. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find it. Knock and it will be opened to you. In other words, there's a promise that if you forgive, you're going to get forgiven. There's a promise that says that if, if you will be kind, you'll find kindness. There's a promise in here that shows us this. Verse 8. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be what? Opened. Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then being evil, if you then being evil, listen, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? How much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask of him? Last passage, he says this, in everything, shout everything. Will somebody online type everything? In everything, therefore, in everything. Now I want you to hear, we just went, this is chapter 5, right? This is chapter 5, 
And, and we've been going through chapter 5, and then this is chapter 7. We've been going through chapter 7, reading the words of Jesus. And we've been reading about all this other stuff. But in the, in, in the midst of this, he stops and says, And by the way, whatsoever you ask, you shall receive. Whatsoever you knock, it shall be opened unto you. I have good gifts for you. He's not trying to condemn us in this passage. He's not trying to tell us that you're bad, you're no good, there's no hope. No, there's hope. I've got gifts for you. You, you ask for forgiveness, I'll give it to you. But there's some things that must be done. You've got to do uh, unto others as you would want to be done unto you. In everything. Everybody shout everything. I, I, I don't know how I can emphasize this enough. In everything. Everything, everything. Therefore, treat people the same way you want to treat you. Treat people the same way. Live by the golden rule. Don't let the world suck the scripture out of you. Don't let the world pull the principles of Christ away from you. Do not let the world dictate how you treat others. Because they treat you badly does not mean we have permission. An eye for an eye and the whole world goes blind. Amen? Love your neighbor. We're going into a season of giving. We're going to be giving to Foster's Closet. We're going to be going and doing things with Hope Clinic. We're going to be doing things with Revive Center. Um, uh, there's some great news coming. We're going to start a new children's ministry and uh, ministering to children in Columbia. The Trumatals will tell you all about it. Um, we're working to uh, build a children's home and, and they're going to come tell you all about it. It's an exciting, exciting thing. Uh, this last couple of weeks, they've been doing some work in some some very poor areas of Kali and rebuilding some neighborhoods from a fire and uh, just a lot of stuff going on. But at the end of the day, if you cannot love the person you can see, how do you think you're going to be able to love the people you can't see? You've got to love your neighbor as yourself. And who can say that they love their neighbor if they have not told them about Jesus Christ? Who, if you believe that the word of God is true, that judgment will come, that we're living in the last days, it's time for us to be showing love through witnessing, telling people the good news about Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Everybody, come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. you're online tonight, thank you for joining us. I'm so glad. I hope that you will listen. Share this if you will. Remember, Sunday morning, 1035, you don't want to miss it. Be a part of us. God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you amazing and totally blessed peace. In Jesus' name, I hope you have a great week. Amen. Amen.